How's everyone doing this morning? You guys all right? So we are continuing in our summer soapbox. And if you are new this morning, this is not the way we always do things. So we wanted to do um, what we realized is throughout the summer. Um, that's Jesus calling. <laughs> what we realized throughout the summer is that there's vacations, there's fair, there's... Um, grass mowing, there's sporting events, there's all these reasons as to why, you know, maybe there's not um, steady attendance. So what we want to do is just answer some of your questions. So for the past um, couple months, we've been asking for you guys to submit some questions. And today we get to answer our second question, which is challenging. I'm not even going to lie. This is a extremely challenging question to answer. But the Bible is the Bible. And we want to be able to have this conversation. So I have a few, um, I have a few statements I want to make before we get into this, um, this topic. First, what we understand is that the local church um, with the LGBT community has resulted in a lot of conflict and hurt and posturing, right? MCF desires to strike a healthy balance between two things a commitment to biblical teaching on sexuality, engaging with individuals who identify themselves at any level with the LGBTQ community. MCF believes that it is a violation of uh, God's will to engage in sexual relations outside of marriage of one biblical man, or biological man, one biblical man, <laughs> maybe that too, <laughs> <laughs> one biological man to one biological woman. The Bible forbids lust, pornography, fornication, adultery, uh, homosexual practices, and other sexual sins. MCF understands that scripture may sometimes feel too hard or too narrow to some people, but it trusts God for the boundaries he has put on sexual expression. For those who have homosexual or transgender feelings here at MCF, MCF encourages you, um, engagement, uh, encourage, encourages engagement with them without prejudice or bias, yet not straying from scriptural teaching. So we encourage you to engage those people, right? And then our last point, with the many different types of personalities we have up here today, it's really different, um, especially Kathy down there. <laughs> personalities and gifts that God has given us on this panel and here at MCF, there will be a wide range of opinions that um, come through on how we engage this community. So... Uh, you may not agree with everything that's said up here today. We're going to try to stay biblical. I'm going to be biblical. 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 I'm going to be biblical, and I think they're going to be biblical as well. So um, you might not agree with everything, but understand it's probably you're not agreeing with the Bible. Um, but all is said that it is held in a framework of biblical teaching on sexual expression. Amen? Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. God, we thank you for this opportunity to discuss um, 
one of the most challenging situations um, that's being talked about today. I pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts um, that are willing to just um, love you and love people, feet willing to run in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first question um, I kind of wanted to ask is just get familiar with how much experience do you guys have with um, anyone associated with this community? Um, and I guess we can start with uh, Bart here. Oh, hey, thanks for starting with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, first off, before we get to, everybody's staring really hard today. <laughs> um, before we get to this, kudos to this church for tackling tough topics that the church has, uh, as a whole, has kind of hid from for a long time. And, and the world dictates where we go from here, and that's not the way it should be. The church should dictate how we go from here. Mm -hmm. And uh, because this is such a, you know, kind of controversial topic, um, we should lead in that conversation. And uh, so <clears throat> the kind of experience that I've had with the community, um, I started the ministry in 1999, and literally my very first sermon, one of the people that I prayed for right away was dealing with um, homosexuality. And so <clears throat> it became apparent to me really quick that before anyone ever feels the audacity to speak what they believe God's laying on them, they must first love like Christ. And um, that kind of was a wake-up call to me to get my heart right and to love like Christ. And so <clears throat> throughout my uh, life, I, am, I have friends in the community, I have family that are in the community, and my job is to be a representation of Jesus Christ in their life. Um, and it's no different than any community that I'm called to be a representation of Christ. I fail. I fail at that sometimes, um, but must get back up and, and keep trying. So as far as my experience goes, I'm still an amateur Christian, but I'm trying to love like Christ. That's good. Um, am I? There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, um, on this day in 1979, there were um, censors being done in Iran where they were burning books and... Uh, Christian literature uh, from getting out and getting into the Islamic community. And um, it just made me kind of think of how happy I am that we can actually have this conversation in this country. And then I'm proud as well uh, that we can actually have this conversation in this congregation uh, on this topic. And, and, and it means a lot. So... Um, there's many churches where um, we couldn't have this con conversation, and I think, it's, I think it's really important that we're able to talk about these things and we're able to get a greater understanding on them. And so uh, I just, just believe the church in general uh, needs to have a healthy perspective on this topic.
So um, that's really important. I would say one of the things that uh, have stuck out to me in my life is, um, I remember I was a young man and uh, there's this guy that I was with. I, I knew him very well and we were sitting at a diner and there was a waiter that came up to us and the waiter, he had on um, mascara and he is, his hair was dyed blonde and he had a very feminine, you know, uh, uh, I guess, gait, the way he was walking. And after he waited on us, the guy said, I'm tired of eating here and I don't want that guy serving me. And I was, I was just thinking like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> and uh, he said, because he's gay, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so I just began to think in my head, like, why would someone treat someone with so much hatred and, and, and say such uh, negative statements to someone because of some sin that is in their life? And so um, being a young man, I began to have all these thoughts in my head, you know, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s of, you know, of, you know, why can't gay people or people in this LGBT community serve in the military? Or why can't they have jobs or, or have some equal rights that, that we have? Why are some of those things kept from them? And um, so these thoughts were ruminating through my mind. Um, and then in 2004, I gave my heart to Christ. And I began to read his word. And I began to see the beautiful design of sex that he created for its, and its purpose. And then I began to see the beautiful uh, uh, foundation of the family and what it's supposed to mean for future generations and society. So I have this great deal of empathy for the LGBT community, but I also have a great deal of, uh, of uh, love for the beauty of the word of God. And so um, when I think of the LGBT community, I think of how can we love them more? So I'm excited about today and I'm excited to share. Several things came to my mind. Um, a person in my family was violently abused at a very young age by a member of the gay community. I have walked with this person through pain to a life of wholeness and victory in Jesus. But that has been a very real part of my life. Also, uh, I'm sure <laughs> no one knew that some years ago, I was, I was in a prayer seminar in, in Columbus. And we had an assignment one afternoon of taking a walk and doing a, a prayer walk. And I was with a, a lady friend that knew the community a little bit and we um, we were in a gay community and so we just we just walked and, and prayed for the community and then we came to a gay bar and she said do you want to go in no but should we so we went in and chit-chatted with the manager and drank a soft drink and 
like middle of the day. And then we got up to leave, and then I saw all the stuff that was displayed on the, on the billboards. What's happening, the, the attraction tonight, and Saturday night, and whatever, and wow. The degradation, it just, it just pierced my heart. I, I just, it was like, I, it, it, was, it was almost more than I could bear as we walked out and, and then we really did pray for the community. So, um, yeah. And there's some people in my family and acquaintances that I've walked with as well that I know and, uh, and see the pain and the uh, dysfunction and the unhappiness, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had many um, experiences in the sense of friends, of um, acquaintances. Um, people have asked me many questions, you know, like, haven't you ever had at least a thought? I personally have never had any kind of thought um, that way. And one of the uniquenesses is there's people older than me that I'm friends with. There's people younger than me that I'm friends with. And then, you know, there's actually people that I have tried to disciple in the Word. And one of my approaches has always been, if not me, if not the church, then who else? Like, we want them to understand the Bible, but if we have this posture of, we'll just go figure it out yourself, you're not welcome, then, then who? If not me, then who else? If not the church, then who else? It doesn't mean we agree with everything. It just, if, if, if I will not be sent, then who else? And um, so that's kind of the approach that I've taken with, with friends, acquaintances, and um, challenging, yeah. Um, unique, certainly. But if not me, if not us, then who else? And um, how many of you guys know of Snoop Dogg? How many of you guys have ever heard of Snoopity Snip Snip? All right. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so Snoop Dogg, he actually came up with a gospel CD within the past six months. And many people laughed just like that. They said, they said really? Snoop Dogg wrote a, uh, like, put together a, a gospel CD? And Snoop Dogg came back and he said this, not that I, I live perfectly, but I figured someone trying to find their way home that the church would have accepted them the most. Snoop was saying, I'm trying to find my way home. I'm trying to discover what this gospel stuff means, but the Christian community yelled at me for my gospel CD. If not the church, look, we would love to see Snoop Dogg coming out with authentic Christian CDs. And I'm not there to even say that the words of his songs weren't authentic. Right? Now, his, his public actions, his life in front of people, and his, his heart need to start aligning, right? But Snoop, Snoop had, I think, an appropriate rebuke of the church to say, I'm trying to find my way home, and the church kicked me out. If not us, then who? Mm. Um, so that's been my experience. Um, most of my friends, um, actually all of them, all of them are still within um, the community. And I still try to pursue and love them. And here's the thing. Honest conversations. 
They've asked me, what do you think? And I say, according to the Bible, it's a sin. So um, let's get into the next question. What are, um, in, in your standpoint, and I probably should have been a little bit more specific when I sent this question, what are some differences in sexual sins? I mean, how do we, what, what's God's perspective of the difference of sexual sins? So a guy might lust at the mall or um, at the ocean or even at Walmart. A guy might lust at work. And then you have... Um, homosexual relationships. So what are some differences? Does God have a different value um, system when it comes to those types of sins? Can we start here? Sure. (laughs) Um, So that's a very good question. And unfortunately, we kind of hit on this a little bit last week. um, As far as, you know, how does how do we equate sins? And I think the church is the best at putting uh, big sin, small sin, you know, and there's no such thing as any of that. Um, I can't find in my scripture, there's one unforgivable sin, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's when people start trying to tell God what he can and cannot do, and what the Spirit can and cannot do. Um, There was a period of time where um, they said that Jesus was doing the works, um, that the enemy was powering his works. And that's a form of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I ask myself these questions, and I ask it on a regular basis, because I believe that this world is full of broken people. Just turn your television on. And I believe, matter of fact, in this room, there's a lot of broken people. Come from broken marriages, broken homes, abuse situations, and different things like that. And who be it of us to judge? We're actually called to be Christ-like, but we don't get to be Christ on a throne. We get to be Christ on a cross. And we get to lay our life down for our brethren. And Paul even says, who are we to be offended? Um, Who's righteous among us, Scripture says. And it says, no, not one. So we're condemned by our unrighteousness. The person that makes us righteous, that we inherit his righteousness, is Jesus Christ. I will shut my eyes for the last time on this earth, and the next time I open them will be before God Almighty. And it will solely be because of the righteousness of Christ, not by mine. Because I personally sit up here and do not deserve heaven by my own actions. But I will inherit it because of Christ. So therefore... I ask myself these questions, and this is what I asked myself in 1999 during a prayer time. Whose blood, or or Christ's blood, who is it not shed for? Whose sin is so big that the grace of God could not cover? I don't know. I've read all 66 books inside and out, and I know this, that Jesus Christ is in love with those that don't even love him back. And that if they be willing at some point in their life to say, Father, forgive me of my sins, then as far as the East is from the West, their sins are forgiven. That's between them and God. My job is 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. And when, when we get to the end of 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say? The greatest of these is love. So when I think of the sin, like how big or how small or whatever, I don't feel um, adequate 
to be able to determine those things. Um, I just feel that our job as, a, as, uh, as the body of Christ is to resemble Christ's love. And if I even find it awkward that we talk about this topic so big because there's so many, like every time homosexuality is mentioned in scripture, it's mentioned with several other sins we don't talk about. Gluttons. I mean, listen, <laughs> Chipotle over here, um, <clears throat> right? So we talk about, it mentions all these other sins, idolaters. You know, uh, 108,000 people are going to show up and cheer for Ohio State Buckeyes. Tell me that's not idolatry in some form. I look through my closet and I see scarlet and gray everywhere because I've spent a lot of my money on, on football and not on Christ. And at some point, we can sit there and go through the long list of all these sins. And at some point, we're guilty and we're lumped in with the same sin or same group that's mentioned with homosexuality. We're, it's not like its own thing. Now, it says that it's detestable. It says it's detestable. Well, all of our sin is detestable. So like, like Pastor Joey said, it is a sin. And, and we don't have to tiptoe around and not call it a sin. But at the same time, we don't need to treat them like they're unforgiven or an outcast or the unclean. We cannot touch them or be around them. I have f friends that are homosexual and I would lay my life down right now for them so that they would know the love of Jesus Christ. So. So one of the, um, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through uh, 20, every other... Um, so every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, um, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So there is probably a little bit difference of maybe, I mean, how do, how do we, and this is, Part B of this question, how do we, you know, sexual sins seem to have something different, right? It's not our own now. Now we're messing with uh, the spirit that's living in us. So how do we reconcile that within even ourselves and within that community? Anyone can jump on that question. Well, one of the uh, verses I was thinking of was... One of the verses I was thinking of was uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Right. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And something that uh, really stuck out to me was that um, there's no sin that has overtaken any of us that has not come past any man before in the past, since Adam and Eve. We've all kind of gone through some of these sins. Now, um, you know, one thing and you know, that I believe it's important that we must look at is that, um, uh, you know, sometimes we may have, you know, um, humans, you know, we have this ability, since we can tell since, since Adam and Eve, we saw that in Sodom and Gomorrah, that there's this same-sex attraction um, however, um, attraction and action aren't the same thing. Um, um, we all have attractions that we shouldn't act upon. So if there's a man who, 
may find his uh, friend's wife attractive should he act upon it? The answer is no. <laughs> it would be a bad thing. It would be a bad thing. So we all have attractions that we shouldn't act upon. And so um, I believe that God reveals those things to us uh, uh, over time if we're open to his spirit. Um, uh, Romans 1 is a, is a great chapter that, you know, speaks on this subject uh, particularly. It's a, it's a tough chapter to read. However, um, we just, we're just not able to read through all these scriptures. But here's a couple that stuck out to me. Uh, speaking, if uh, there are um, any differences in sexual sins and sins in general. And the thing that I notice in these scriptures is that God can sometimes put a, a higher price. There's a higher price for some of the sins that we commit. So stealing a, a candy bar from the store is not the same as taking a gun and shooting someone. You're there with me. So, so um, verses, uh, Proverbs 6, uh, 16 through 19, um, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yes, seven of them are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness, witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. And then again in John 5, verses 16 through 21, it says, If any man sees his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So, so from those two things, from the first verse, we can see that there are, all the sins weren't in there, but those are some things that God hates because it separates people. And then from the second, the second um, uh, verse, we can see that there is a sin unto death. So all sins aren't at the same level. Um, however, they are all bad in God's eyes. Um, like like, like uh, Bart was saying, you know, if you read through some of these verses, you have uh, gluttony and you would have um, some of these other things that are like witchcraft, idolatry in with with murderers. And it's just like it's just like, man, like, really, like some of these some of these things like, you know, I've told a white, white lie before, <laughs> you know, am I in there with murderers? You know, so there's there's this things that we see there. Um, however, uh, there are some things that are pretty serious. So what Joey was saying was that sexual sin is seen as somewhat serious. And um, I believe that it is serious um, in many ways, shapes or forms. It can actually transform an entire community. And we've seen this uh, with sports. We've seen this with Penn State. We've seen it with Michigan State. Um, uh, with, with the doctor of recently, we've seen it, we see it with Ohio State. And we've seen it even in Hollywood, how sexual sins can hurt people. And a single man can 
cause an entire um, uh, sexual holocaust, if you will, and hurt a lot of people. So we must see sexual sin in general as uh, something that is serious. Um, I believe that when it's in the beauty of what God has created it to be, it is something that is good. It is something that is, is, is phenomenal and it, and, it, and it causes life and it has a purpose. And it's very much like fire. If you, if you put it in the fireplace, it gives, us, it gives us warmth. However, if it gets anything outside of that, it can cause lots of havoc. So I believe a, a great biblical perspective of, of what God has called sex to be is really important. <clears throat> In just thinking about this, I just kept coming back to the Word of God. And um, I, I'm just going to read. Some of you may not have read this lately. And so I just want to refresh your memory. So I'm just going to read from Romans 1. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts from the time the world was created. People have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse whatsoever for not, for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds or animals and snakes. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the, thing, the things God made, but not the creator himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and, in, and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result suffered within themselves the penalty they so richly deserved. When they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They, all, they are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, and are heartless and unforgiving. They are fully aware of God's death penalty for those who do these things, that yet they go right ahead and do them anyway, and worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. From a, um, a person who was dealing with um, the struggle, she says, all sin is equally deserving of condemnation, yet equally touchable by grace. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And I think 
um, Romans 1 is somewhat an example where um, the more I've operated with the commu this community, what they say is, so you're saying I'm a sinner. I'm saying I'm a sinner. And there's this idea that, you know, it's all by works. It's about becoming a good person, not understanding the gospel. Because the gospel is we all fall short. And um, that's the challenge. The, we, we can't make up the scriptures. We can't add or subtract from it. So just because that scripture is so strong and straightforward, God says, I handed you over. You did detestable things. I'm not the one making that up. It's going to be hard, right? Acts 14. We're going to make it to heaven through a lot of junk. It's going to be hard. We're going to face many trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. Now, I think what's unique is how do we stand? You know, think of Exodus. There's, um, you got Pharaoh, and then you got Moses facing Pharaoh. Who, who's a modern-day Pharaoh, right? I know it's just not facing my parent. I believe that there's a time coming within the church and there's even a time now that God calls us, uh, calls us to stand up to the most powerful person there ever is. And this community is, is actually a powerful community in the sense of that they have numbers, they have people, and they put pressure on you mm -hmm. to come more to their side. The, uh, what did you call it the other day, Kathy? The, um, the spirit of the age. There's the spirit of the age that's putting pressure on us. Are we willing to do what's right based upon God's word as many of the, the heroes in the Bible did? Mm -hmm. Are we willing to stand up to the pharaohs? Mm -hmm. That's what becomes the question. That it's not, we, We're not adding to the Bible or subtracting from it. We don't have to even like it. Other people don't have to like it, but God's word is his word. And we have to choose. This is what it means to be a Christian. So... Um, does the church need to reconcile anything with that community? Um, does the church fall short within this community? Well, we start down there, so it's just not Bart always starting. <laughs> I was ready for that. <laughs> Are we to be politically correct or biblically correct? That's just a choice all of us have to make. And then we have to decide, how can I love the way Jesus loved. Jesus gave his whole life. So if that means doing laundry for someone, taking them to the Walmart or, or whatever, 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 you know, then, then do it. But, but to hear the, the mishmash of everyone lo needs love and everyone deserves love and everyone deserves the good life. No, I'm sorry, that's not true. God made the perfect way for us, and it comes down to a choice that we need to make. And that's what's really unique. <laughs> Let me just read this. Those who, Bob, go ahead. While you fumble. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Jesus said, those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them. And I will re reveal myself to each one of them. 
All those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember, my words are not my own. This message is from the Father who sent me. And what's very unique is within this day and age, one of the questions that we really face is love. It's what everyone talks about. Love, 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 right? That's what we're hit with almost daily, especially if you're on any social media. All we're supposed to do is love. And I almost see manipulation in it where it's almost as if love is now presented with, did God really say? And that's what we first see in the garden, right? Did God really say? So, so what is the true balance of love and did God really say? I believe that love is truthful. So to pick on my brother, if Sammy is walking towards nails with a blindfold on, then it's my job to say, Sammy, there's nails coming. You don't need to chase after what you're chasing after. That's love to have the best intentions for his future. Not just, I love you, so I'm going to let you just do whatever you want. There's literally fires going off in people's lives. There's eternal damnation that's coming for many people. Love just doesn't sit back and say, love lets you do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not the one who opens and closes the doors of heaven. I'm not the one who has the keys to the kingdom. But God throughout scripture has chosen to use his people even to populate the world. You realize God didn't have to use us to populate the world. He could have totally just created us. But even from the very beginning, he's used us to populate the world. Therefore, did God really say, yes, his word is truthful. So be careful with this whole love agenda. You can talk. So, back to love. <clears throat> Here's the thing about love. You're right. And part of, part of it is we, we're using our own definition of love. If you're in junior high and you see a pretty girl, that's not love. <laughs> TV is what has manipulated and, 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 and kind of messed us up with love. God is right. Love is what we need. The greatest is love, but it's the love of Christ. And you are right that love uh, will have a life preserver attached to it. We'll have a warning attached to it as well. We'll, 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 you know, Jesus preached before he died. He taught before he died. But it truly is all about the love of Christ. And when it comes to, for instance, how, anybody in here a lifeguard? Anybody? Okay. Somebody should get certified. Um, just in case we have a swim deal going on. Um, so God, God has always blessed me with just kind of images of things. So how good is a lifeguard if he just shouts at the person drowning, why can't you swim? <laughs> I feel like the church is great at that. Mm-hmm. Is fantastic at shouting at people what they're getting wrong. I'm looking for a church that'll jump in and save someone's life. And uh, so when I say love, that's what I'm talking about. Getting in the trenches with somebody, coming alongside of them, 
not holding back truth, but turning up the love, turning up the compassion, Mm -hmm. turning up the mercy and the grace. And I feel like the church feels like it's, they can only do one or the other. That if somehow we love those that are unlovable, we're sending the wrong message that they're not going to get hell if they don't change. Well, guess what? That's the message for all of us that we have to change. Jesus did not die so we could continue in sin. He died so we could be free from sin. And the only possible way to show that is for the church to start resembling Christ. We resemble, listen, don't throw anything at me, please. But I've been part of doing it wrong for a long time. The church really resembles Pharisees today. We have a giant microphone and we we tell people what they're getting wrong all the time and it's no wonder people aren't coming in the doors. If we really want to see people change their life, we have got to start resembling a Christ that will look at a woman and say, your accusers have now gone, nor do I accuse you. That will stand at a well and say, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. That will grab the leper and cleanse him and heal him. That will do those things. I mean, we're not just called to be preachers, but we're called to be doers. Everybody is. So the, the, I think the what's missing a lot from talking about this particular, particular topic is compassion. Have you put yourselves in the shoes with somebody that has just completely rejected who God made them and now is turning to something else? I encourage you to do that. What they must feel that they would almost accept complete and utter rejection in this world just to feel better about themselves what that must feel like and how will I be a minister to them and that's hard this is a tough topic is it not because it I mean there's thousands of different answers but it really all goes back to one particular thing Christ crucified and who did he die for for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for whosoever, and who's a whosoever in here? I am. For whosoever that believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I feel like as a body of Christ, you, we're, we're all kind of right that like these sins can be detestable if not repented of. And that repentance is the answer. But I want to tell you why you should repent. You should repent because God is so good. Because he loves you so much. And because he will take you from death to life, and I want to see that happen. And I better resemble it if I'm going to preach it, right? So. Can I speak? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, I, think, I think those are uh, some really good answers. And, um, you know, um, I, can, I can see how, you know, uh, you know, um, the forces in high places can kind of change the things that are uh, s- supposed to be considered as love and, um, and twist them. Um, you know, even uh, Satan comes as an angel of light. So we, we do have to be careful of that. Um, at the same time, I don't know how simple to put it, but uh, the church just needs to start uh, loving through action. Just, just start working through, uh, loving through action. I don't think there's necessarily a conversation that needs to have, that we need to have the LGBT, but we just need to start loving them. 
um, uh, here in Romans 12, a little bit later after Romans 1, if that part was really hard, <laughs> it, it says this in verse 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And I, and I think that's the kind of mindset that we need to have. Like, like, yes, we have our firm foundation on God's word, but how are we treating people on a daily basis? Like, have you, have you ever had someone just treat you with so much love that you just feel comfortable around them? And like you could share everything in the world to them because they shook your hand and they smiled at you. And they said, how are you doing today? And you just felt like so comfortable and you could just take advice from them and everything. And then have you ever had one of those people who are just like a thorn in your side and they're nasty to you and you wouldn't even let them give you advice on, on what socks to wear? And it's because, it's because of how they treated us. And so um, I believe this is important because people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So we are to be the example of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, happiness, um, the, the long suffering. All of these things need to be shined. This is the light. This is the light that people feel, and this is the light that draws people to Christ. It's almost, uh, it's almost like the bug zapper, you know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the light that draws people, people, that draws people. And so, um, uh, uh, you know, this is one of the foundational teachings of Jesus. I believe, I believe we need to be the, um, uh, the moral standard for society. Society needs to be able to look to us on how to love. Society needs to be able to look to us on, on, um, on sexual relationships. They should. Uh, here, here's, here's one of the foundational teachings of Jesus, and I love it because Peter and Paul both taught on it. It's Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 1 Peter 2 and 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. That was Peter. Here's Paul in Philippians 2, 15 through 16, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of crooked and wicked and twisted generation among you whom shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. So this is a continual theme that we should be the light in the world. Um, um, and, and, and you know what? And, and some of us might say that the, the world is naturally just going to hate us <laughs> because that's what Jesus said. He said, he said, if you go in my name, they're basically going to hate you because they hated me. And so um, I believe in, in this instance, we can kind of be like the boss, the boss of integrity. No one really likes the boss because he, 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 he pushes everyone to be more productive. Um, he gets everyone up and working when no one really wants to work. However, people will still follow the boss's lead if he's a person of integrity and honor and respect. And so I believe the church needs to have that firm foundation and still be uh, a people of love, honor, and respect. So as we live that way, that's how reconciliation might take place. Yes. It's good. You know, one of the scriptures that 
um, you often hear is Leviticus 20, right? All the time. <laughs> and when, when people think of Leviticus 20, they point out one verse. And I think that's where reconciliation needs to take place is we pick out one verse in Leviticus 20, and that's like the only one that we see. So here's, here's the one that's typically picked out. If a man lies with a man and one lies with a um, if a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, but both of them have done, uh, both of them have done what is detestable, they must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. So if a man has sex with a man, they should be put to death. That's what they pick out. That's what typically we hear. But let's, let's look at some other um, sins. So if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. If a man commits adultery with an other man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterers should be put to death. Why don't we have an adultery group within the church? Why, why don't we have picketing going on about adulterers go to hell? Why don't we have lusts go to hell? I think that's in peace because people pick out Leviticus 20 and they only see verse 13, but then how many of you guys have looked at a woman in lust? Because later in the Bible, Jesus says what? Even if you look at a woman, you've committed adultery. So why don't we have, why don't we offer full encompassing hate or accountability here at the church? So who wants to oversee a adultery group? <laughs> right? Who wants to oversee a lust group? You don't have to like it, but how many of us should be put to death? Right? And we find out throughout the scripture that, as uh, Bart quoted, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. That's, yeah. that's why, uh, again, just coming back to the word of God, that we need so much to just know it, that we don't just pick out Leviticus 20 or whatever it is, but that we know the, the tenor of the scriptures because the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. Nothing in all creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. And, and in 1 in, uh, Corinthians, there's a, you know, just mentions a list of sins, and he says, and such were some of you. It, the Bible, the word changes people when that choice is made to um, honor mm -hmm. the word. That's good. So, does the church fall short? Do we fall short in this area? Because, then you, because it comes back to Bart's analogy where he says, look, Swim better. Swim better. Throw the football better. Sometimes you just can't teach yourself. Now, here, here's what I do know. Here's what I can promise you, is that Jesus is helping that person swim if they'll look to him. But Jesus has also called us to help that person swim. So have, have we fallen short in that area? Um, I think that's a great question. I really do because there, I, I believe that there's areas that we've asked people to swim themselves rather than jumping in and helping them. So um, any other thoughts and we'll wrap up that question?
do we fall short as a church? Yes. Sure. Yes. Any spur of the moment, just thoughts, um, 30 seconds thoughts of, of what can be done. Be deliberate. Mm-hmm. Love deliberately, outreach deliberately. Um, be merciful. Mm-hmm. You know, be the example of who Christ is. Talk about it. Equally, be available for all all sinners. Right? Let's not focus on it, but be available as the Spirit leads. Um, See every opportunity as an opportunity that God might use you in that moment. Can I say this? I've been part of far more um, church splits because of gossip than I have homosexuality. I've been in, in more circles of breaking and hurting people over gossip and slander than homosexuality. Mm-hmm. So I think we ought to work on our things too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, I think that's the starting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and make sure that, you know, we're doing what we can do mm-hmm. um, in order to, I, I, I truly believe uh, that this church in general, the scripture says that he will draw them unto us if we're doing what we're called and asked to do. And I believe that. And I think this is a start of something like that too, is like taking care of the, are we prepared and equipped? Mm-hmm. If the doors open up and a group of the LGBT community comes in, would you be gracious to them? Would you offer them your seat? Will you go and get them coffee and creamer? Will you take care of them and love on them? Yeah, I think that is what we're called to do. And then we preach and we don't, we don't weave or detract or detour from the word of God mm-hmm. for anybody. Exactly. And, and if anyone in here was divisive or creating dissension, guess what we're going to ask of you? Stop. And if you don't stop, guess what we're going to ask you to do? Leave. So whenever any community comes in here, whenever anyone, um, whatever comes in, be a part. If you're engaging in the community, trying to be a part of it, trying to learn, then that's great. We love, we love that you're trying. But yeah, if there's ever dissension, then um, that's when you deal with it. But um, all of our hearts today, we're, I think we're trying to learn something, right? We're trying to receive from God so that we can go out and walk in a greater relationship with him and live into our God-given destinies. So if that's the posture of people who walk in here, then let's not pick on their sin. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to be the convictor. Let's let his word bring life. Mm-hmm. We sow. Oh, um, I, think, I think Bart summed it up. <laughs> good. I think that's good. Um, love, be gracious, treat people uh, with kindness. I think that's good. All right. What do you guys think that the Bible teaches us about the way that Jesus would pursue this community? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked a lot. Uh, I, I, would, I would say it's um, exactly what, you know, Bart was saying um, earlier in a verse in John 8 uh, where they were going to stone the woman for being caught in adultery. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, they had their stones ready and Jesus basically started writing in the sand. And, you know, um, it's said that he started writing out the Ten Commandments 
basically in the sand. And he says to these guy, uh, uh, you know, anyone, you know, without sin cast the first stone. And so I believe that um, uh, Jesus, in a way, is, is saying that we need to treat people with love and honor if they are caught in a sexual sin or anything like that, instead of stoning them. Um, he, was, uh, he was the gateway uh, for this woman receiving salvation. And he says, he tells her to go and he tells her to sin no more. Um, so I believe that's how Jesus uh, uh, is telling us how we should love people, no matter what their, no matter what their sin is. Um, if they're in the adultery group, like Joey was saying, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we still need to treat them with love. Or, so. Mm-hmm. I just love the verse that we all know. Jesus said, come to me, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And, and, and a yoke is this, uh, you all know, it's the thing that connects two horses mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And so if Jesus is in the yoke, we're, we're in the yoke with Jesus. And so that means we walk at the same pace. We get the job done together. And I just, I just love that picture. And, and Jesus is saying to, to all of us, no matter what our sins are you know what no matter what because we all I, I really believe that that God has ordained or, or planned that all of us have a cross to bear that sounds religious but but a, a um, we all have enough pain and suffering and good things and wonderful uh, God just uniquely has, um, makes each life. And so, uh, this is one, you know, a huge burden that we're talking about, this subject, but there's many, many, many others that are just as heavy that we have to face and live with and, and deal with and, and get through. And, and in all of that mix, Jesus says, come to me, just come to me and be yoked to me. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, those are great answers. I think the other thing that Jesus would say is flee from all sin. Yes. Not, I don't think it's because he's a control freak. I think he realizes that when we flee from sin, we have greater peace in our life. We feel more purpose. We can walk into greater intimacy from him, with him. Flee from it. But yet also, that's all sins. Mm-hmm. Come to him. Flee from your sin. And... Um, be obedient. Anything else with that question? <laughs> All right. How do, we, um, how do we apply truth and love? All in one. Anyone? Truth is always truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is... Think about that. I, I, it isn't... A situation here where it's true, but here, nah, not so much. Truth is built on levels of truth, and so truth always comes out truth. Uh, two plus two is just always going to be four. Mm-hmm. But um, so so um, 
I think we need to be, not be afraid to speak the truth and to live the truth. That doesn't mean to say that I have to dangle my religious, you know, stuff in front of you and say, hey, you better, you know. No, because it's truth. Well, it might be truth, but I'm being awfully obnoxious, you know. So, so, um, but truth is truth. Um, I've sinned. There, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) I have. And I've been ashamed of uh, my sin. And I can tell you that someone that's not willing to get in the trenches with me, I don't want them speaking into my life. I've been in a situation before where um, I needed people to speak into my life. And I've got a good friend, Bryce, that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be on this stage. I wouldn't be talking about the spiritual truths. I wouldn't be talking about Jesus's love. But Bryce got in the trenches. And Bryce loved anyway. And, and Bryce was an example of God's love in my life. And as I allowed him to speak into my life, I understood that that was God loving me back. And I say that if you are going to have the, the if you're going to take the authority to speak God's word, then also do what he would do and get in those trenches. Otherwise, just be quiet. Someone else will do it right. <laughs> you don't have to do it right. Someone else will. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that we must have a great deal of empathy. Um, I, you know, I can't uh, state that enough. Um, Ephesians 4.15 tells us to preach the truth with love. And so um, I believe it's all based upon that foundation and an empathy following, <laughs> or, or empathy first and then that foundation. Um, when we are um, sharing the truth of God's word. And so um, I believe that's how we apply truth with love. So. That's good. All right. Any final thoughts? No final thoughts? You don't want to keep on putting it out there? Anything else? Um, just this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter, Paul says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. We choose. We choose. We, I have... I can choose whether I want to think on things that are admirable and lovely mm-hmm. and pure. I can, that's my choice. Don't feel like you're the person who's called to pick out people's sins. You know, don't feel like you need to start pointing fingers wherever you are. Allow these relationships to be natural in your life. Not every relationship that you get in, no matter what the sin is, are they, not every relationship are you going to be 100% of conversion. Don't feel the pressure that you committed your life to five years with this person and they never saw it the way you saw it. Because God loves them more than you love them and let him do the work. And quite frankly, there's people who sin who never accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. They never confess him with their mouth. That he died and rose from the grave three days later, right? 
for the atonement of their sins. They never confess that, no matter how much work you do. So don't feel the pressure to go out and just start finding everyone who appears to be sinning. Because everyone who appears to be sinning, they might have a greater relationship with Christ than you do. Don't um, let it naturally come is what I'm saying, right? The Bible's clear. We're here to stand on the Bible and we're here to love. Stand on the word, love people. You're not going to be 100%. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. Um, thank you for Jesus, for dying on the cross for these sins, so that when you see us, you see your blood and you see righteousness, and that one day we get to be with you for eternity. Help us in all situations with, with our sins, with other people's sins, God. That um, Help us do the right thing. Help us always do what you want. The right thing is always the right thing. Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's really strange to a world to say that I'm a sinner. Like, the more you get outside of Champaign County and the Miami Valley, um, it's strange for them to think that sin is a real thing. I helped this granny walk across the street. I gave my $5 to this organization. I'm a good person. The Bible says we will be strange to the world. So, be strange to the world.